Today's gospel and epistle readings are about Christ's second coming. Normally that would be an occasion for joy and alleluias. But anxiety courses through these scripture passages. The Thessalonians worry that their dearly departed loved ones will be forgotten at the return of Christ. And Jesus offers a parable on the consequences of being unprepared when the kingdom of heaven breaks into history. Since you are all still getting to know me, I might as well admit something up front. Readiness and preparedness hasn't always been one of my strong suits. Being on time, meeting deadlines, not procrastinating, not so good with those. Once I arrive, I am all in, but it's the getting there that sometimes trips me up. Maybe some of you have this tendency as well. I won't ask for a show of hands. <laughs> I'm afraid that I would be one of the foolish bridesmaids in today's parable, lacking extra lamp oil locked out of the wedding banquet in heaven. And just so you know, I am much better now than I used to be. <laughs> but I remember one Halloween about 12 years ago, and I was still making my costume on the night of October 31st. And I didn't finish putting it together until 1 a.m. November 1st. <laughs> As I ran out the front door in my outfit, I phoned my friends who were already going home after a night of parties and drinking. I begged them to meet me for just a little while so they could see my costume and we could have one drink together. They agreed, but it was kind of lame. <laughs> they were tired and I was upset at not being prepared for the night's festivities, just like the foolish bridesmaids. Today's epistle to the Thessalonians was written around 50 A.D., the earliest of Paul's letters in the Bible. In fact, the earliest text in the entire New Testament. He was writing to the Christian community in Thessalonica who were expecting Jesus' imminent return in their lifetime and thus afraid that their loved ones who had died already would not be saved because they were no longer around to receive Jesus when he came. Paul encourages the Thessalonians to hang on, and he assures them that their beloved dead will rise at God's trumpet blast and join them to meet the Lord in the air. Similarly, Matthew's community was awaiting Christ's return. But now it was 90 A.D. when that gospel was written, and some followers were getting discouraged. Would Jesus not be coming back after all? Or was his return so far in the future that his followers wouldn't see it, so they might as well kick back, relax, and engage in a little bad behavior for a few years? Today's parable of the wise and foolish bridesmaids answers both of those questions. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven will be like this. And he tells a cautionary tale of what happens to those who are not prepared for the arrival of the bridegroom. The bridegroom, of course, is Christ. And the bridesmaids are the church, or us. The wedding banquet is a metaphor for two events. The coming of the kingdom of God, but also our own death. 
To those in Matthew's community who despaired of Jesus ever returning, he says, keep living in a state of readiness, because I may come when you are sleeping or least expected. And to those who wondered whether his return was years away, he warned, I could arrive at any second, so don't be slackers, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The setting of this story would have been familiar to Matthew's audience. Unlike today's weddings, where the bride usually does most of the work and her family is financially responsible for the occasion, betrothal ceremonies in Jesus' time were mainly the groom's responsibility. He had to build a house next to his father's, prepare it to receive the bride, then travel to her parents' place and bring her back to their new home. Only then would the big wedding feast begin, and it would last for seven days. Also, unlike today's marriages, the exact date of the feast could not be set, because it all depended on the groom completing his lengthy preparations, getting the house all ready. So the bridesmaids in the parable are waiting for the groom to come after all those preparations, so they can process with the bride-to-be back to the banquet. Their lamps were actually torches lit with oil, and their job was to light the couple's path in that procession back to the wedding banquet. Now at first glance, at first glance you, you can't really tell which of the ten bridesmaids are foolish and which are wise. Each has a lamp with some oil already in it, and they all fall asleep waiting for the groom's arrival. Only in the moment when they are awakened to their purpose, does their level of preparedness become apparent. Turns out the wise ones have an extra flask of oil on hand to replenish their lamps, while the foolish ones don't. Likewise, it's not always obvious from the outside which of us are prepared in our hearts to receive Christ when he comes. Though the wise bridesmaids do show their readiness, they kind of seem selfish and mean when they refuse to share their extra lamp oil. But if you consider that the Greek word used here for wise, phronimos, mainly means prudent, their behavior makes more sense because they're practical enough to realize that sharing their oil with the foolish five risks all their torches going dark later in the procession. After all, it could be a long journey to the bridegroom's new home, and it's better to have five lamps to light the way than to risk stumbling in total darkness if all ten run out of fuel. In other words, the wise bridesmaids have oil to replenish their own lamps, but if they shared it with the foolish bridesmaids, there might not be enough for everyone, so all ten would go dark halfway over instead of these five having enough oil because they planned ahead. Here's maybe a contemporary analogy. One of my parishioners in Long Beach is part of a ride share every weekday morning to her job as a legal secretary in Irvine. You know what a ride share is. It's like a van pool, and, but with cars and more informal, and they all go together. Well, if one of the other riders isn't at her pickup point at the right time, that risks all four passengers in the ride share being late to work. So they can't wait for very long, not because they're mean and selfish, but because they're responsible workers and they don't want to get yelled at by the bosses. 
So, likewise, the wise and foolish bridesmaids. You have to have that bigger picture in mind. We don't want it to grow dark. So we're not being selfish and mean. We're just letting you know this is the important thing. As the foolish bridesmaids run around town looking for a shop that sells oil at midnight, hectic in their last-minute preparations, the bridegroom arrives. Their frantic state reminds me of those old bumper stickers you might have seen that said, Jesus is coming, look busy. <laughs> but in making themselves busy, those foolish bridesmaids miss out on the banquet. Christ has come to claim his faithful servants, but these five were not ready. What is this parable trying to tell us? Well, I guess the obvious message is be prepared. We are urged to make our hearts ready to receive Jesus when he comes. At the second coming that Matthew and Paul assure us will arrive, or at the time of our death, or in that moment when we are called to awaken to our true purpose in our life. I think another point of the parable is that even if you don't feel ready, come as you are. Don't rush around trying to achieve perfection or to become something you're not first because you'll risk missing out on transformation. Remember, God does not call the equipped. God equips the called. Trust that Christ will work through your imperfections, perceived or real, to bring forth the bright light shining in your heart, ready to receive him. Today's gospel reading advises preparedness, but it's more about a state of being than a state of doing. Jesus is not telling us to look busy when he returns. He's telling us to be ready with open hearts. He doesn't require us to be constantly on the watch or even allowed to fall asleep like those bridesmaids. Rather, we are encouraged to live in the here and now, in prayer, in self-acceptance, and in service to others. Not a life of anxious busyness, but a life lived steadily in the Spirit. Then, you will always be ready when summoned for transformation. In these next three weeks, as we prepare for the season of Advent, which is itself a preparation for Christ's bursting forth into the world at Christmas, I invite you to give some thought to how you will devote that Advent season to readying yourself. Consider using December intentionally. Spend 10 minutes three times a week just sitting with Jesus focusing on his importance in your life. Meditate. Get back in touch with reciting morning or evening prayer if that's something you did. Read that book on spirituality that you've been ignoring and reading thrillers and mystery novels instead. Take walks downtown here or wherever you live and practice seeing everyone you meet as a beloved child of God. That's not always easy. Volunteer somewhere that helps someone other than yourself. Increase your pledge to St. Luke's. <laughs> Preparing yourself for the new life that will soon burst forth in this place. It's stewardship season, I gotta say that. <laughs> but in all these ways, 
however you can, prepare a space for Jesus to be born and shine forth. May all our hearts be open to God's presence in the weeks to come. And even as the nights grow longer, may we use this season to replenish the oil that lights our faith as we await the apocalypse, the revelation of Christ in our world. Amen.